authenticity, boldness, change, acceptance, support, activism, and love are all a part of today's discussion. Welcome to Love, featuring your host, Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. In the 90s, I owned a talent agency and production office in the centre of Adelaide. Many of the entertainers who worked with me were highly sensitive people, some who were also gay. The entertainment industry has always been a soft place for those who are perceived as different, to find a home where authenticity is not just desired, it's demanded. And so my studio was a sacred safe place for those who were vulnerable. Sadly, many times I found myself consoling beautiful men who'd been gay-bashed. As I wiped away the blood and covered cuts and bruises, I repeatedly heard the same deeply sobbed words. Why? The movie Priscilla, Queen of the Desert was a huge blockbuster hit then, and if you haven't seen it, then I encourage you to do so. It's a wonderful portrayal of the challenges more out there gay entertainers face And I, too, had some wonderful performers who were drag queens. That's men who dress up as women, usually with really exaggerated femininity. Often they were outrageous costumes, wigs, makeup, all for comic, dramatic, or satirical effect. These entertainers, usually outrageous characters, are loved by many. They're funny, talented, vulnerable, sassy, and brave souls who bring a lot of happiness and laughter and often thought-provoking ideas to their audiences. Yet these same people so often, as they step outside the stage, theatre or performance room, would be spat on, have eggs thrown on them, and verbally threatened or assaulted. Gay bashing, sadly, in Australia were far too common in the 90s. These attacks were unprovoked, usually. Some Aussie men passionately feared and hated them, and yet the culture seemed almost to allow this abuse to occur. These memories still really bring deep sadness to me as I think about when I sat in their pain and they'd have thick tears running through their heavy makeup, broken, rejected, scared, isolated, lonely, and the same question keep being asked. Why? And like all of us, they just wanted acceptance and love. All these memories came rushing back to me recently as I watched a YouTube clip of Ellen celebrating 20 years since she shared with the world that she's gay. It too is 20 years since I sat in my studio feeling helpless, angry, frustrated, and actually really, really furious. Back then I was quite the warrior woman, and I felt I could take on anything or anyone, yet I had no idea how to help solve this horrible situation. The boldness of Ellen and many others like her, who at the time risked all their lives. They risked their careers, being socially isolated and potentially rejected by those closest to them. Well, history now shows they really are the game changers. Back then, someone's sexual orientation was not talked about. Neither were other secrets, such as a partner having an affair or someone with mental health challenges. We do thankfully live now in a freer society. We are more able to speak up about so much more than we used to, and we feel more comfortable doing it. Shame, embarrassment, what will other people think, what will happen now, 
But while we still worry about that or feel that, just not as much as it used to be. Thankfully, it's people like Ellen, who received the Medal of Freedom recently as a result of the impact her decision back then has made. We support each other to share our vulnerabilities. And for this, I am in awe of people like her, who really have paved the way for us to all lead more authentic lives. And while thankfully so much has changed in 20 years, I feel we've still got a long way to go. Gay equal rights and gay marriage is still not happening here in Australia, much to my disgust. Racism continues. Minority groups are rejected. Narcissism is on the rise and so much more. We have a lot more work to do to help others come to acceptance and love of those who they may perceive as different. Here's a few words Ellen shared reflecting upon the bravery of speaking her truth all those years ago. I always encourage people because it really did teach me no matter what the cost is at the time, yeah. it is always important. Like you said, you know, whatever you believe, what whoever are, the essence of us is, we yeah. are born, we are all individual, we are all unique, and we are supposed to be that exact person. We're not supposed to conform. We're not supposed to be like somebody else. We're not supposed to act like somebody else. Right. And as long as you stay true to exactly who you are, you will be rewarded in ways that you can't imagine. An incredibly talented entertainer and friend of mine, Matt Gilbertson, has a dazzling career, both as a journalist and gossip columnist, as well as performing his alter ego, Hans, who's a German, sequin hot pants wearing, accordion playing, piano playing, singer, dancer and comedian. Matt's shows that Hans performs have won dozens of awards and he's about to take his show to the big stage in London. Now that's a huge achievement for an Adelaide performer. And by the way, you should see him play the intricately difficult piano piece, Bumblebee. I'll pop the link in the show notes. But Matt also is the next generation. He's younger and so he wasn't a part of the toxic 90s, the gay bashings thankfully. So I asked Matt to join me on today's show to find out how has life changed since the 90s and what needs to happen for progression to continue from here. I start by asking Matt, what does homophobia look like in his world today? Oh my God. Well, personally, I I think it's been a long time since I've probably experienced it firsthand. So I, I'm lucky in that respect. But it has taken on a whole different meaning these days because now it's not just, you know, somebody yelling out whatever from a car or, you know, somebody on the streets kind of having a go at somebody or even worse. I think now it's kind of, you know, people have got Facebook and Twitter and now these people who are kind of saying whatever – they they don't even have to be identified anymore. So I think in one respect, culture has made being gay, being bisexual, lesbian, whatever it is, so much more acceptable. But then on the other hand, you've got this other side and these people who I think have become more empowered with technology and what's out there. It's, are we talking about like the keyboard warriors and the trolls? Yeah. That totally. they're anonymously able to attack and spew yeah. their vile hatred towards others. Right. And it's, I mean, it's every, every group really. And I, I think it's more, 
I, I actually do think it's more in the last year after like Trump and Brexit. And I mean, here in Australia, you know, I think people are a lot more vocal these days. I think, I think there was, it was kind of like everything was kind of on the right track for a little while for a few, few years. And now it's like an elastic band and it's come smack back and, People, it was almost like everybody had too much of a good thing for a little while. You know what I mean? And now it's boom, back to reality. How can we help people to recognise that it's actually none of our business what people do in the bedroom? Hmm. Well, I think that's a very big question. It is a big question, isn't it? Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Well, what I think is, I mean... I, you know, I think that kind of goes both ways as well. I mean, everybody's interested in whether it's down to celebrity gossip and who's with who and what's doing, you know. But I don't announce, hello, I've got a vagina and I like penises. I don't make yeah. that announcement to the world. I think the more high-profile people that come out as gay is a good thing as well because then it does say to people that, you know, well, you know, this person that you've been admiring all this time and you thought was so fantastic, they're still fantastic even when they're gay, you know. And it does take incredible courage. Matt, did you ever officially come out? (laughs) No, surprisingly. I never had to sit mum down and go, there's something I need to tell you. What could it possibly be? (laughs) Your gorgeous mum who makes your costumes. <laughs> she does. She makes my costumes. But, um, you know, I mean, I'm 32 and I know, you know, obviously I know it has was a lot easier for people my age and easier again for people younger than me. But I still know people my age who don't have any relationship with their parents, which is really, I mean, I speak to my mum and dad every day. So I'm probably in a unique situation. Do you feel that this whole, oh, you're born gay, turn gay argument is, or discussion, plays out in the ability of parents to accept what their children are sharing? Probably. I think the thing that does annoy me a little bit about, well, everybody is born gay, there's this argument, as, you know, people say, well, why would anybody choose that, that you know, that, you know, the lifestyle of, oh, this is what you have to go through to be gay. You're going to be taunted. You're going to be, te- you know, that they, I mean, they say that with the best intentions. Why would anybody, but I kind of say, why wouldn't anybody want to choose this? I mean, if you could, you know, personally, I don't, don't think I did choose this. Yeah. That, that's always been a, an interesting one. I think whether, I mean, look, I did go to a lot of tap and jazz classes. Maybe that did it. I listened to an awful lot of Madonna growing up. <laughs> Well, I did tap jazz and Madonna and that didn't change anything for me. (laughs) That that, that blonde ambition tour, I think remember, I remember watching that video and thinking, yep, it's boys from here on in. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine, however, particularly older parents, I would like to think that Younger parents have grown up in a world where we are much more accepting and understanding and educated. However, I can imagine some parents thinking, oh, this is my fault. I did play too much Madonna. And therefore believing that it was a socialised situation 
that created their child to be gay. Mm. That is there anything wrong with that? If if that's what happened, really, like, so what? If if who cares what the reason is? I don't know. I yeah. I guess the reason I bring this up is that I am imagining the parent's mind being, I don't want this for my child, which is then triggered them to go, it's my fault somehow, mm. and mm. therefore they go into raging at the child instead of just yeah. going, okay, you've made an announcement, we love you, we support you, moving forward. Yeah. Yep. So understanding that journey, that emotional journey that the parent may potentially go through may help people to be able to support parents to not lay blame and not made, make decisions on whether it's mm. a good or a bad thing. It just is mm. what it is. Yeah, yeah. I think there's also a level of understanding that kind of has to work both ways as well. I mean, most gay people have straight parents. So, you know, it's it's a different world to a lot of people. A lot of parents that end up having a, you know, gay child, sometimes there's a lot to learn and there's a lot to understand. And a lot of people, it's a world that they've probably never been exposed to. So... I don't know. I think the world is changing, which is good, and hopefully, more, you know, more people are becoming understanding. And um, but also, I do understand why some people, it sh- you know, it shocks them. But how do we how do we kind of change their minds? How do we kind of expose them without without scaring them? Do you think that shows like the the elaborate drag queen shows that are on television or sometimes certain television series will portray gay people as being socially promiscuous, that doesn't really help the cause of trying to get people to see that this these are loving, conscious, great citizens of the planet that mm. are no different to the heterosexual person. Do you think that sometimes that causes more harm than good? Hmm. That's a very good question. I mean, I think it probably, I think the opposite. I think sometimes, you know, I mean, in my experience, that kind of shock value does waken people up a bit. But I do understand what you're saying. Humor can be a great way, though, to help people to laugh at themselves. So right. when they've got their own stuff going on, their limiting beliefs going on, and they do see something like a fabulous drag show and that person is having a crack at the homophobic person, it does actually give them permission to have a bit of a laugh at themselves. Do you think that that, therefore, the flip side is that that can start to ease the acceptance of changing your mind? I hope so. I think if everybody, you know, laughed at themselves a little bit more, it would be a much better place. I do want to ask you about equality, though. Yeah? How passionate are you about this and what is it you want to see change specifically? You mean, like, marriage quality? Well, marriage, yes, or health care or wills or next of kin or adoption or... I think in Australia everybody's, you know, obviously still hooked up on the marriage equality thing because we don't have it yet. We're one of the few remaining um, Western cultures. Ireland's got it now. England's got it now. America's got it now. We kind of consider ourselves to be 
of that ilk and we haven't got it and at the moment doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon. I find it deeply embarrassing as an Australian that right. that is the and case. I, is it- and I think we've got this reputation around the world as being quite easygoing, but in actual fact, I think Australia is quite conservative. Even, you know, even our TV shows here, are, you wouldn't see half the stuff that you see on an American or an English show. Well, it's funny a, you, you mentioned know, that. You know what I mean? Many years ago, I was on a, a show called Get Up Tucked. <laughs> I don't oh, know. well, I remember it well. <laughs> Where I played a, uh, a heterosexual middle-class mother from the suburbs. Mm, funny about that. I think that's exactly what I am. Mm-hmm. And the role uh, I got to do was to interview a, a gay guy, two, tra- mm-hmm. two um, drag, queen. drag queens and yep. a post-operative transgender lady. Yes. And I got to ask them the questions that everybody wanted to know, but nobody had the opportunity to ask. And at the time I was asking about circumcision. Is it cosmetic surgery or is it for health? I was asking (laughs) about should same-sex couples adopt? Party sex, beat sex, party drugs, public displays of affection from same genders. And it was a fabulous opportunity to really go into the culture that was then, I think that was back in about the... That was well, like be, early 2000s. Yeah, early 2000s, yeah. yeah. So it was probably about, oh, I reckon about 13, 14 years ago. But yeah. that show, which I think was really well produced by Rick Up Productions, that show was too hot for every single TV station to handle except the local community station who yeah. put it on nationally at about like 11 o'clock at night. And yet that one five awards of six possible awards at the National Community Television, best show, best new show, best variety show, best community show and best new host, Mm. blew the shows off the stage, but it was too hot to handle. And I sadly think here in Australia in 2017 it would still be too hot to handle. And that's a shame. Yeah, I do. And, you know, I was just looking um, the other day there was, you know, on Ellen's show, they were talking about when she came out and it was 20 years ago that she came out. And, and, and I kind of went, 20? That's not that long ago, 20 years ago. And remember, that was such a huge deal. So, I mean, I think things are moving in the right direction. I, I think they should be moving a little bit faster. But- I think they have to move faster. You know, there was a study done in 2010 by La Trobe University that said that 61% of same-sex attracted young people suffered verbal abuse because of their sexuality and that the statistics were like one in two were suffering from horrendous harassment that often Mm. involve physical violence. You know, this Mm. just isn't good enough. The statistics of people with same sexual attraction Mm. are statistically higher to suffer from anxiety, depression, substance abuse and suicide. This is not good enough. It's 2017. Mm. No, I agree. I mean, I still can't get a boyfriend, but I do agree with what you're saying. <laughs> well, we can just put the call I, out. Might as well be straight for all the good it's doing at the moment. <laughs> 
Matt, I was wondering if Hans would like to make an appearance, your wonderful alter oh, ego, sure. who's going to be I'm performing in London soon. And we will have the details for Matt's uh, shows that he's doing in London in the show notes and on our Facebook page. Hello, Jane Donovan. Hello, beautiful, gorgeous, talented Hans. How are you? Honey, my apologies for that hideous Matt Gilbertson. I'm sorry you're going to have to lose listeners with him on your show. Why is that, Hearts? What's going on in your world? Here's, a, here's an embarrassment, Jane, and frankly, I mean, he's he's embezzled all of my money. I'm, I'm frank, frankly, I've had enough of him kind of riding on my coattails. <laughs> you know that expression, honey. What wondrous things did he want to talk to you about, Jane? Gay equality and how oh, we can... yes. Let me tell Jane, look, all I can say is, honeys, get with the marriage equality thing, because frankly, everyone should have the opportunity to marry me. (laughs) Yes, of course they should. Would you sign a prenup? Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. But frankly, I'm I'm looking for a bit of an Anna Nicole situation, kind of, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm just looking for somebody old and rich. Okay, are there many older men out there that you think that have come out and would be wanting to partner an accordion-playing German Um, cross-dressing? Frankly, I think if some of them knew that I did the splits across two chairs, they'd be a little more willing, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Hans, you appear to be proudly gay. Was that an easy thing for you to embrace? Or did you have some challenges? Jane, it was more of a... It was a request of the people, actually. (laughs) They've made me this way, and they've wanted me to stay that way, and frankly, it's something that I'm embracing. Every sense of the word. Well, what do you say to homophobic people, Hans? I say, get your ticket to my show and bring a notebook and a pen and get an education. And look, you've made a dazzling successful career from being very much a minority group. Yes, I know what you're saying. Thank you. Accordionists. There aren't many of us out there, Jane. We are a, we are a very not-so-silent minority, and uh, we are ready to walk down your street and pumping our boxes and leaving a ringing sensation in your ear. I'm assuming also, though, that you're looking forward to the homophobic community being a minority group. Well, I can say uh, they're on their way out, much like redheads, darling. They're going to be <laughs> that. I heard the difference between a homophobic male and a, and gay guy is just three beers. Is that true? Honey, spaghetti straight until you boil it. Have you been heckled on stage, anti-gay people? No, the last person that tried to heckle me has now been awarded a Victoria Cross for bravery, (laughs) darlings, because (laughs) it would be a very stupid and brave person to ever call out anything in my show. Don't don't mess with somebody in hot pants and a microphone. (laughs) Exactly. Particularly sequined hot pants. Who can do the splits on two chairs while playing the accordion? 
And get out of those splits, go put on a showgirl costume and play Bumblebee on the piano. So you are also conservatory educated, aren't you? You have a degree from the Conservatory of Music in piano, is that right? Same. I am so good at the piano that I'm practically Asian. <laughs> oh, my God. So where and when are you appearing in London? Oh, my gosh, Jane, I will be there at the end of July, and then I'm going to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and you can check it all out on my wonderful website, handsofficial.com. Not that I'm here to plug anything, Jane. Thank This has been a, a contractual obligation, and I want to thank you, darling, you wonderful listeners, for having me on here. And once again, apologies for Matt Gilbertson. May he never grace this show again. <laughs> Is there a parting word, Matt? Is there anything you want to take this opportunity to say? Do you know what I think? I think everybody, no matter what, you know, I think there's a lot of people on the left and there's a lot of people on the right. There's not too many people in the middle anymore. And I think everybody just needs to be able to see everybody's point of view a little bit better and that will make things a lot more tolerable. It's time for Heart Talk. So some good news and not so good news, checking in on the next generation to mine here in Australia with Matt. However, we do live in a global community now, one that continues to be full of contrast and contradictions. And our voice can now be much more far-reaching than our own small communities. I mean, just this show alone, it's heard in 147 countries. So I had to have a look at what's happening in some of the other countries. And sadly, when I googled what are the worst homophobic countries, I was a little bit shocked. India is a nation that made homosexuality legal in 2009. And yet just four years later, this was reversed and now comes with a jail sentence that can extend to life. And yet, in contrast, India recognises that the transgender group known as Herdras, making it one of only a few countries in the world to actually recognise a third gender. Russia in 2014 banned any form of LGTB demonstrations, public groups and any form of entertainment with a homosexual storyline or character. So I guess Hans won't be appearing in Russia anytime soon. In Cameroon... Citizens face five years imprisonment for any homosexual relationships. And sadly, in 2013, Eric Lambembe, an outspoken LGBT rights activist, he was horrendously tortured and killed in his home. In 2006, the Times named Jamaica as the most homophobic country in the world, where men having gay sex face 10 years of hard labour in prison. However, probably what's even worse is the day-to-day violence reported occurring towards the LGBT community. In Nigeria, homosexual acts can result in men being lashed in front of courtroom audiences before long jail terms. And in northern Nigeria, the law states that those convicted of homosexuality should be stoned to death. Another interesting contradiction is in Malaysia, where it's legal for two women to have sex, but not for two men, who can face up to 20 years imprisonment. In Iran, since 1979, it's estimated that between four and 6,000 men have been executed by hanging for homosexuality. And lesbians get a softer punishment, but they're punished with 50 lashes. In 1987, the law legalised sex changes and as a result, 
parents are now forcing children to undergo hormone treatment and gender reassignment surgery to make them appear heterosexual. Saudi Arabian men have often been stoned to death, castrated, lashed, imprisoned and banished from their country by the religious police. And in Afghanistan, where homosexuality is highly shunned and punished by death, it's legal for parents to kill a homosexual or cross-dressing child to remove shame on the family. So what can we do to assist in the acceptance of all people? You know, when we hear these stories and statistics like this, it's very easy to feel hopeless, helpless, and as though we can do nothing. And while change does need to come from within each community, I do believe we can assist by having these types of conversations with our own community. We never know when we are making a difference. We never know when we've ignited a new thought pattern in another, or if we've helped birth an influencer somebody who may go on to be in a position to make change. Or maybe we've assisted another with a bolder sense of self for activism. So I leave you with these thoughts. Minority groups are everywhere and everyone is in a minority group for something. Keep being the role model to acceptance, compassion and love. And if you can't do that, then here's Matt's final parting words. I think everybody just needs to chill out a bit. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, then you can help the Love Life Show in a few different ways. By sharing with your friends, by jumping on iTunes and giving us a five-star rating and comment, or by becoming a patron. I want to thank the following people for becoming our very first patrons of the Love Life Show. The You Matter Project. Head to their website to follow Peter's inspiring work. I also want to thank our other patrons, Catherine Hills. Greg Whiting, Meredith Bartlett, Amy Yates, Jade Downs, Helen Vargas, and Linda Bonneman. You are now helping fund the production of the show, ensuring that we are able to keep the show being produced and accessible to everyone each Wednesday. If you'd like to also become a patron of the show, please head to patreon.com forward slash show. And until next week, keep connecting with others. With love. Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it's just happening.